listening to the On the NBA Beat podcast, a show packed with nuanced perspectives on the league's most important stories. Portland has three timeouts left. The Lakers have two. Bryant to shot. LeBron James with no regard for human life. Jordan. Oh, a spectacular move by Michael Jordan. And now, your hosts. Lauren Lee Chen, and the twins, Aaron and Joshua Fishman. Aaron Fishman here, you're listening to On the NBA Beat, and we're back with Andy Liu of SB Nation's Golden State of Mind. He's here to shed some light on the Warriors' surprising Game 1 loss to the Thunder in the Western Conference Finals, and what we can look forward to the rest of the series and postseason for those Warriors. Here we go. Hey Andy, how's it going? Good, good. How are you guys? We're doing well. Welcome to the show for the second time. It's a great time to talk Warriors basketball. First game was a little bit surprising. Now the Warriors find themselves in an interesting position, which you and others have likened to when they were down 2-1 last year to the Grizzlies in the Western semifinals. We all know this was a 73-win dominant team. Curry is healthy, but they at least temporarily handed over home court advantage. On a scale of one to panicked, how should the Warriors feel right now? Ooh, how sh- how sh- that's a good one. How should the Warriors feel as compared to how they actually feel on this fun? How, how they should feel is, is I mean, they they should probably panic. I mean, like a controlled panic. Obviously, we don't you know want the we don't want Steve Kerr to suddenly start you know doing some random make wholesale schematic changes. It's not like they lost right. by thirty, but I mean, there, there's there's something to be said to where hey. Because this is something that's been happening all season. They've got to figure out something to where, hey, they're not, they're going up big, but they're also blowing these leads a lot. And it's not so much because the other team is coming back and slapping them in the face, uh, which OKC did a little bit. But a lot of it is, hey, the Warriors just kind of seem to lose focus, you know, start making turnovers that aren't necessarily forced by the defense, taking shots with 20 seconds left of the shot clock, um, you know, fading away, which are, you know, normal shots for them. But still, you've got to got to have a bit of a better mindset, especially when the game gets a little bit closer. Um, yeah. Which goes to speak to how confident, arrogant, cocky, whatever you want to say they are. But it's just, you know, rain it in a little bit. I think Kerr knows that. I think the players know that. I, I think they would have kept playing that way if they had won last night. Yeah. Uh, so, so you think it could have been a good thing for them? I think so. I think most people are thinking that it's going to be a good thing. I think so as well. Um, though I think that there is one issue is that if Steph was 100% healthy, I think that he would have bailed them out last night, um, which, would be, which would have been fine. But moving forward, I don't think he's going to get to 100% for the, rest of the po- uh, for the rest of the playoffs. So it's a matter of can he play at 80 85% and still carry this offense when it counts throughout the rest of the series. So we'll see. Given how dominant this team was and the depth, Curry shouldn't have to bail them out. But we saw um, this season that he did it on a number of occasions in close games. But you don't want to go away from what was working so well for you all season. We know they had a record-breaking year. But then again, you spoke about that arrogance. Do you think now that, that they were scared a little bit that that has a potential to improve their decision making and reduce the chances of them letting up like they did in game one i think so i think that's a great way to put it i think coming into game one they actually had a um, they had an improved 
focus and an improved concentration. They played very well in the first half, both offensively and defensively. I mean, they were up by 13 at halftime, and Steph was hitting those crazy threes that he does. Um, that's what makes this team so great. They weren't turning it over. You know, they were fine on the boards. Everything was fine. And then all of a sudden in the second half, the OKC came back with a run. They unraveled, and they lost composure. All of that stuff that, that shouldn't happen to them did. So it's one of those things where the, you, we know that they're capable of doing it. They did it for the first half. So it's just a matter of how are they going to do it again in game two? And then when OKC comes back and hits them, are they going to lose composure again? You would believe that a championship team like this wouldn't lose composure like that again. But hey, I mean, OKC has already done this to the Spurs three time, three straight games. That was yeah. that was super impressive. So, so I mean, it's interesting. If you're a Warriors fan, I wouldn't be too worried, I guess. But I mean, this is I mean, this this is a uh, Kevin Durant and, and Russell Westbrook. This is not Kawhi Leonard who you can shut down, or or LeBron James who you can even shut down because he can't shoot. Kevin Durant, you can't you can't lock up. Yeah, the Thunder are really coming together right now, and it has to be scary, at least to a certain extent. I thought it was really interesting that a number of basketball fans, including the three of us, were really looking forward to that potential Spurs-Warriors Western Conference Finals really a long time ago, early into the season. Both had such dominant seasons, and it just seemed like a really good matchup with Kawhi Leonard on defense and that Spurs defense. And it just didn't happen. So, I mean, I guess it was somewhat of a letdown for basketball fans. But now the Thunder are really clicking at the right time. How scary is that uh, with just how much momentum they've had? Because the way the Thunder are winning right now, they weren't early in the year. They would blow these fourth quarter leads and just melt down and you couldn't really trust them. Yeah, I, I Donovan talked about it yesterday um, at the press conference about how, hey, his team was now mentally stronger mainly because they had gone through so many of those meltdowns in the regular season so it's something now that they could get better at slowly kind of figure out how to play in late game situations i still don't think that okc has some kind of um they figured out some secret elixir in clutch game situations i still think this is something that is more something the warriors can control the warriors and this is going to sound you know like i'm a homer the warriors always say that when they lose games when they lose consecutive games or something like that if they play better if they're going to be the ones that are able to control the temple um, if they're able to make shots if they're able to you know play defense nobody can beat them you know there, there are teams that even when they play their a game they're going to lose but with the warriors if they play their a game they're not going to lose 99 percent of the time and so they know this um, and this is, I mean, for the record, I mean, for most part, it's true. So it, it's still to me, regardless in crunch time, if the Warriors play to their abilities and the Thunder play to their best abilities, the Warriors will have that edge every single time. So it's kind of up to the Warriors to to figure out, are they going to get back to the level and can they get back to that level in this series? The Warriors went 3-0 and against the Thunder in the regular season head-to-head matchups, but included in that was that crazy February 27th game with the Curry game winner at the end. What was your sentiment coming into the series regarding those head-to-head matchups, and what was your biggest takeaway from Game 1 about what went differently for the Thunder versus the Warriors? I know you were very vocal on Twitter and other media outlets saying about how you didn't like the energy that the crowd brought. Yeah, that one was, I mean, to, to, to knock that out, I mean, that that was, I've covered the team for about, what, three and a half years, three, three and a half years now. I think the second last year of Mark Jackson's tenure I've been covering since then. So not, not we believe, I was a little bit too young for that one, but I've been covering it since then. And that 
crowd in game one of the Western Conference Finals was by far the worst that I've heard. Regular season crowds, you know, they get that silent as well. They are regular season crowds. But that one was bad. That one was regular season level, like like a random, you know, November regular season game against the Orlando Magic. It was that bad. It, it didn't get loud until the fourth quarter when the Warriors were making a run in the game of a Western Conference Finals. I mean, you know, it's it, to kind of compare it, Game two of the Portland series, the game that Steph didn't play, was the best crowd that I've ever seen at Oracle in my time covering it. So in about three, three and a half years, better than the finals crowds, better than those Mark Jackson crowds. You know, that one was the best one. You know, the reasons are, you know, a plenty, I'm sure, that guys can kind of figure out, price down and whatnot. But um, that was pretty bad. And then to, to answer the second question of, of Steph Curry um, and how the regular season impacts it. I think that's the difference between the Spurs and, and the Warriors when they play the Thunder. The Thunder have has overpowered, overmatched, and over was too physical for the Spurs. Ran them over, the Spurs weren't able to get to the rim, right? They weren't able to get any type of spacing. With the Warriors, they did the same thing in Game 1. They did the same thing in the regular season as well. It's just that the Spurs have Kawhi Leonard as their best player, who doesn't have much of an, you know, as great as he is, he doesn't have a great offensive game. The Warriors have Steph Curry, who is one of the greatest offensive players of all time. So it's one of those things where the Warriors can get shots when they want with Steph Curry. He just didn't do that on, you know, the other night. He played a lot of off-ball in the fourth quarter, only shot six times. Um, and when asked, you know, when I asked him, like, hey, why were you playing so much off-ball? He didn't necessarily give an answer. So it's something that we'll most likely see him play more off-ball moving forward. And honestly, this happens a lot in the regular season because Steve Kerr likes to play the offense that he that he implemented. Sometimes, dude, it's better to just run a pick and roll with Steph, man. That's the best play that the Warriors have every single year. And you touched on this a little bit, but I think OKC's biggest advantage in this series is their size and their rebounding with Durant and then two out of three of Cantor, Ibaka, and Adams. They were the best rebounding team in the NBA in both the regular season and the playoffs. In game one, they had a 15-2 advantage in second chance points. What kind of problems does that size advantage cause for the Warriors? And is there going to be an increased reliance more than the regular season on guys like Andrew Bogut, who's currently dealing with a hip injury, and Festus Azili, who didn't play much in the end of the regular season because he was returning from injury as well? Yeah, I mean, interestingly enough, I think that there's going to be the opposite of that has to happen. I think that there was a, a game where the Thunder out-rebounded the Warriors by like 30 um, or, or something like that. But I think the Warriors need to go small more. I think whenever the Warriors struggle, whenever they go down in a series, the only cure, not the only cure, but the, the best cure that they have is just to put Draymond Green at center. Speed everything up. Draymond Green is one of those rare or maybe only guys that can play three four and five and rebound as well so i i think that the warriors need to play draymond at center a lot more to speed the game up because a lot of that second half was played in the half court and in the half court uh, okc out rebounded them got to the line with free throws and then uh, were able to lock down steph curry off, off the ball so i, I think um, a lot of it I, there was a moment in the third quarter where they're up by 10 to 12 you know even getting to the to middle there and then because Donovan put in Cantor and Adams, because he went big, uh, Kerr was like, oh, my God, I need to go big, too. So he put in spates. And I'm sitting here like, <laughs> I mean, just because the other team is going big doesn't necessarily mean you have to. Um, and when that happened, OKC kind of erased the lead and kind of made the game really slow and really, I mean, honestly, really boring by then. So in those cases, I think that the Warriors need to figure out that, hey, we can rely on Festus, you know, keep him as one big when he keep Draymond out. But we can't play too big because we can't 
put most space out there with nobody else. You know, we've got to give either Azili more playing time with the rest of the wings or Draymond with the rest of the wings because it's not going to cut it to have uh, somebody like Spates or less minutes with Draymond at the five. That's just going to play right into Donovan's hands. And I think, honestly, Kerr perhaps has not been doing the best coaching job this postseason. I mean, at the, at the same time, you mentioned like playing Draymond more minutes at the five, but that Adams Cantor <sighs> front court, the so-called King Kong front court, that front court really turned the series around against the Spurs in a lot of the games. And I think more so than Draymond being able to handle the five is the, the next guy over, be it Harrison Barnes or whoever guarding one of Cantor and Adams. Cause Adams had a huge game in game one and he had a huge series against the Spurs. So do you think it's more difficult because of that to play the so-called death lineup for the Warriors? Yeah. No, absolutely. I absolutely agree. They were plus nine in the first half um, against the uh, the death lineup was plus nine overall in the first half. They were even in the second half. And in the second half, they just didn't go to it enough. They went to it at the end of the game there. I mean, I think they outscored the Thunder until the Thunder started shooting free throws. I think they outscored them by like uh, six. I think that you're just going to have to live with it. If it is something that Adams is going to just get offensive rebounds or or something like that, you're just going to have to live with it. Because by speeding up the game, you're playing your pace the way that you have played. You know, if you're the Warriors for the past couple of years, that's made you so great. If you're playing into the the, the Thunder's hands the way that they want to play, then you're kind of kind of playing their style. I, I think this uh, the good example of this is when the Warriors, as the eight seed, played the Mavericks, the one seed. I think before the series even started or before one of the games, Avery Johnson went small to to go with Don Nelson playing small, and right from the onset, you can see that hey, these guys. Uh, the Mavs, as the number one seed, are playing to our style. They're trying to match up with us. And when that happens, it's kind of like, well, I mean, if they're playing our style, this is our style. We're going to be able to play that style. So the Warriors aren't going to be able to out-big ball the, the Thunder, I don't think. But the Thunder aren't going to be able to out-small the Warriors. Um, and there were times that the, the Thunder tried to out-small them, didn't work. And even when they went big against the death lineup, the death lineup was able to work. So I think they've just got to go to it a lot more. Kerr has to – he's got to be less afraid to go to it because he has a lot of times a season. Because when you're a coach for so many years and, and you've you know gotten used to playing traditional bigs, it's kind of hard to go away from that. And I think you'll see a lot of this. If there's a Lakers fan listening, Luke Wallen loves to go double big. And that's one of the, the shortcomings when he was uh, subbing as a head coach. And so Kerr's got to get away from that a little bit. I think he'll figure it out though. I think that's a great point you bring up where you have to stick with the game that got you so good, especially I think in the first half, the Warriors were really able to limit Cantor's effectiveness, especially by really taking advantage of his bad defense, targeting him almost every play, involving him in pick and rolls and having Draymond take him up one on one and stuff like that. Is it a viable strategy do you think, for the Warriors to limit Cantor's impact by just sort of forcing Donovan to sit him because he's such a defensive liability? Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Cantor was not good last night. I mean, he he he, he could barely stay on the floor. Um, I think the the Thunder ha- ha- did well with the Ibaka and Adams lineup, um, with Ibaka hitting a couple jump shots. If you're a Warriors fan, you want Donovan to keep playing Cantor. This is not Cantor's series to play, but we'll see. we'll see on that one. But I think that, you know, regardless if it's Cantor, Adams, Ibaka, whoever it is, you just got to just put Draymond on Steven Adams and live with Barnes on Ibaka or Barnes on, you know, Barnes on Cantor. If those guys are going to, you know, score 20 points, they score 20 points. But that's that's the style the Warriors are going to have to play. And if if for some reason they go down swinging by p- playing the Thunder style, 
that's going to be very disappointing um, just to the way that, that they've been playing the last two years. One thing we've seen that gave the Warriors a little bit of trouble was um, Westbrook getting in those passing lanes. We know he likes to gamble defensively. And Stephen Curry, this is an area of his game that he's really improved in recent years, is cutting down those turnovers. Unfortunately, in Game 1, he had seven turnovers. And I know you talked about him not seeming um, to be completely healthy at this point. But how do the Warriors need to, how do they work on reducing those turnovers? Because, you know, if you get Westbrook out in the fast break where he's most dangerous, especially if he's struggling with his shot early, that can get him going in a hurry. Yeah, the way that Westbrook played defense yesterday was interesting. I mean, he was really bad at times, and then he was very good at other times. <laughs> very, very good with the quick double um, on the pick and roll. So they double a lot with Steph, and Steph has a tendency to – he still does after all these years. I've been watching him his whole career. He did this when he was a rookie, and he still does it now. Just throw careless passes out of pick and rolls. I mean, when he gets doubled, for some reason, either he just – gets flustered or he just kind of just throws it thinking that it'll it'll work i mean he either throws it tries to throw it through four arms or he tries to throw it through three people um and he did that like five six seven eight times last night so it was one of those things that if steph would just actually just stop doing that um (laughs) there would be less turnovers on the other side i mean this isn't to say that okc wasn't playing good defense they were they're playing really good defense but i've seen Steph do this a lot and him just cleaning up just means that be smarter. That's basically it. It's not some magical thing that he has to figure out. It's just, Hey, you know, shoot down a bounce pass here to get through that pick and roll, take an extra dribble here. So you can get that pass to Draymond so he can run the four on three, something like that. It's not something that I would say that, Hey, these, this, this specific defense that the Thunder are employing is going to lock Steph down on these, on these doubles. And then on the other side of that, it's Westbrook plays awful off-ball defense and that's why they can't put him on clay thompson is because he's gambling left and right and when he gambles and he did that a couple of times it leaves open golden state warrior shooters right. um so it is interesting well with westbrook's defense he he did look better he did he was good yesterday uh, but overall i think he's a net minus i think the warriors can take advantage of that yeah. um and and and, and it's something that they should do you know starting tomorrow yeah hopefully you will hope <laughs> yeah i think they definitely could capitalize on that And on the other end, Kevin Durant did score 26, but he needed 30 shots to do it. So overall, I think Golden State did a pretty good job on him. It was just that Westbrook came alive in the second half, and they had that help from the supporting cast. But how do you see the Warriors containing Durant going forward in this series, and what kind of different looks do you think they'll give him? Ooh, they gave him, they turned him into LeBron James, right? The NBA Finals. (laughs) <laughs> which was uh, which was it just made him an inefficient volume isolation shooter. Um, obviously Kevin Durant's a much better scorer than LeBron, but it's one of those things where I, and it wasn't much difference. I thought Harrison Barnes looked good, offense and defense uh, last night. I think he should, probably should have gotten the ball a little bit more, but the Warriors weren't passing. You know, uncharacteristically, they just weren't moving the ball. So with Durant, it's one of those things yesterday where they they played into his dribble on the pick and rolls. They pushed through that instead of going under. They had the person that was uh, playing the screener. They had him uh, hedge up, but not switch unless it was a wing player. So they had, if it was Festus or Boga, they would play him one extra step up and kind of, you know, if the big guy wanted to roll, he'll roll. They'll let him roll. They'll just let the help defense come and combat that. They'll, they'll live with the Steven Adams, you know, eight-foot push shot um, every single time. And that led to a lot of turnovers in the first half. And then in the second half, they did the same thing again. Mostly, the, it was pretty good isolation defense. Durant just missed a lot of shots. 
But the other thing is he also did play like 45 minutes. So moving forward, it's going to be interesting to monitor to see how those shots look in the fourth quarter. But um, with game two, perhaps something to monitor. But game three is like three or four rest days away. So that's probably, you know, something that Donovan is smart about, honestly, because Kerr isn't playing his guys enough. I mean, these guys are getting plenty of rest. I wouldn't say they're tired, especially with Clay or, or Draymond or something like that, or even Steph. Um, these guys aren't playing enough. They're playing way too much, you know, of the guys like Spates on the floor or something like that. So Donovan leading myself to this, but Donovan might outcoach Kerr last night. Pretty good job. I know you talked about the Warriors' struggles in this game a lot so far, but is it worrying to you at all that the Thunder were able to pull out this win despite neither Westbrook nor Durant shooting particularly well in this game? I think so. I think it goes both ways. I think the Thunder won despite not a good shooting performance. And I think that the Warriors um, lost. You know, they lost a close one despite Steph not playing well, the offense not moving the ball well, and a lot of uncharacteristic turnovers and shot selection. Um, So I think both teams have good things to, to say despite not playing totally their best game. But it kind of just leads to, at the end of the day, you know, whose best game was actually better, right? And and when that happens, you're you're usually going to go with those guys, you know, at Oracle. You know, whoever's going to play their best game, that team is most likely going to win. So I, I do expect a better shooting game from KD. Do expect a better, you know, overall performance maybe from Westbrook. But then on the flip side of that, you do expect less turnovers from the Warriors, more focused defense and crunch time, and a lot better shooting from Steph Curry. So, you know, that's going to be interesting. I think that that is something that can toggle back and forth um, when they go to Oklahoma City as well. So it's going to be good to monitor moving forward. And the Warriors were limited to only 14 points in the fourth quarter. I know you touched upon this a lot, their general attitude. Even in your first episode with us, when you came on before, you called the Warriors cocky as hell. I know it's commonplace for people to say on the internet that no shot is a bad shot for the Warriors. And like the shots that they were taking are the same types of shots that they were taking when they were winning 73 games. But some of those shots late in the game as the Warriors were trying to make that late push were bad shots, right? What's your opinion on that? Oh, yeah. I mean, some of the shots they were taking. I mean, I, I was saying before, they just, the Warriors deserve to lose that game. The amount of composure that they lost, the amount of bad shots that they had, the turn. I mean, Clay just trying to go behind the back in a four-point game of a, of a fourth quarter for no reason. And turning that over, they, they deserve to lose that game. I think they know they deserve to lose that game. I think that those bad shots, the, the way the Warriors are doing it, it, it's just they'll live with those, though. That's the thing. Um, they'll keep shooting those. But it is interesting that Draymond Green did light up Azealia a little bit you know, because he kept dropping the ball and missed a couple of defensive rotations. Um, and then he lit into Clay a little bit, too, in the fourth quarter. Clay, I think when they were down, you know, three or four, had the ball in transition, got the ball in the corner and just kind of shot like a, with 23 on the shot clock, kind of like a fadeaway three with nobody on him. I mean, and at the timeout, Draymond just kind of lit into him and kind of just said, dude, what are you doing? Um, not in those words, obviously, um, but that's, that's the way Draymond is. Um, but then you also think about it on the other side, like, hey, Draymond took a 30 footer when Steph got Kenner switched on to him. So all in all, the Warriors were a mess. Um, on offense uh, last night, and they and they just weren't moving, just weren't playing as Steve Kerr says within the flow of themselves, and it was just a lot of hero uh, style, you know, playmaking, trying to shoot daggers when there's eight minutes left in the game and they're down by eight, 
no reason to be shooting daggers, but these guys were trying to, you know, think thinking this, this is 2K or something. But that's how the way they play. So you kind of can't fault them for it. It's like changing Kobe's mindset just because he missed 20 shots in a game. That's how he's going to play. Um, and most of the time, um, it's going to work. It didn't work last night, and it looked really bad. So we'll see, you know, what happens again if if they if they go ahead and do that. Going back to the Curry injury, is there something that you see different? Um, like, is he less explosive off the dribble or, or just a little bit more tentative? Or is it kind of hard to pin down what exactly is different, if anything? <sighs> Man, I think it's both. I mean, even he said that I don't. He, he's not 100%. This isn't something um, – like, the knee still hurts, basically. It's not something that's going to heal. Unless he he kind of takes like months off, right? Um, this is something that he's just gonna have to play through. He can't re-injure it more. That's not how the MCL works, apparently. Um, so it's just a matter of pain tolerance. Um, when he's playing on adrenaline, sure he's he won't be able to feel it. Um, but it's one of those things with Steph. It's sometimes he kind of just looks like he's not in the game when he's playing off ball, and that's the main thing with the Warriors. They've got to put Steph on the ball, regardless of whether he's at eighty percent or one hundred percent. They've got to get him on the ball, but because even regardless of whether he's not explosive or not, which, which he perhaps is a little less explosive, but the tentativeness, I can't tell if it's either him or if it's just the injury. So it's one of those things. If they just get him the ball more, just run a simple pick and roll with Draymond. Have Draymond slip that pick and roll. Have Steph not turn it over, um, and then just run a four on three. I mean that that's the way. That's the literally the most unstoppable play in the NBA right now is that four on three play, and so. Kerr has got to go away. You know, I've talked about this already as well. Regardless of the injury or not, Kerr has got to go away from that base offense that he likes. The reason why he loves that base offense is because you're not always going to have Steph Curry. You can't run those pick and rolls with just any player. Um, so that's why he has that base offense. But the other flip side of that is they need to run that play when Steph is in the game because there's you can't guard it. Um, so there's no reason to run the base offense, you know, that, that tr- half triangle, half motion offense. Um, you know, a combination between Phil Jackson and Greg Popovich offense that Curry right. loves to play because sometimes it's just keep it in simple, man. That, that's that's what they need to do. They didn't do that last night. They still kept it close. You know, they had a chance to take it at the end, but they've got to run more of that pick and roll. And and it's not revolutionary as Warriors fans love to. You know, a lot you know, like Ethan and a couple of those guys love to say. Like, I mean, it's not it's not the most difficult play in the world. They just got to get the ball in Steph's hands, which is what at least, you know, as bad as we love to make fun of Mark Jackson, Mark Jackson knew how to get the ball in Steph's hands, you know, even if it was a little too much. <laughs> yeah. I know there was a lot of relief around the team, obviously when Curry's injury wasn't as bad as initially feared. And I feel weird suggesting this because the Warriors are such a deep team. And I mean, we saw it in all these fourth quarters where they've been able to rest guys over the last couple of years. We know how talented their team is throughout the whole roster, but do you think that it may have had a positive effect on the supporting cast at all? Having that time without Curry, being able to show what they could do on a big stage. And also, I'm wondering if it the Curry injury could have disrupted their flow in any way too. I mean, you would hope not because they're such an experienced team. They're the defending champions, 73-win team. But it seems like something may have been thrown off also in how they're playing. I, I, that's a good question. I think um, I think the, the Warriors played you know, pretty well without Steph for the couple games that they did. Um, their defense was good. The off, you know, Draymond Green was able to play much better. Clay Thompson has grown exponentially, especially off the dribble. Um, but, that, but I think you know, getting to the end of the, the Portland series there, I think they were starting to realize that, hey, 
you know, without Steph this entire series, it would have probably have gone like six or seven. And the Warriors would have a bit of a trouble, you know, fighting it off. Um, so I think that as great as the Warriors are, and I think even I fall for it a little bit at times, as great as they are, they need that guy. They need that Steph Curry guy to get them to that extra level because without him, they are a notch below the Thunder, uh, the Spurs, uh, the Cavs. Um, they're, they're maybe even, you know, they're at the, probably the Clippers. Maybe the Clippers maybe a little lower. Um, so something like that. I don't think this is something – I don't think it disrupts their chemistry. I don't think – definitely not. They understand that they need his offense in order to get over games because look at the way that they played yesterday um, with Steph essentially vanished. They're not able to create offense against teams that can actually play defense. So uh, I think they know that, and I think that's what puts the Warriors notches above the Spurs, uh, the Thunder, and the Cavs is Steph Curry, is his ability to take over games in a way that no other player can. He's just got to figure out if he's going to be able to do it in this series because if that knee's not going to allow him to do it, then this might be over. But here's thinking that my gut tells me that his knee is going to be fine. He's going to be able to do do just enough to get them past the Thunder. But I think a, the bigger stage certainly helps Draymond, certainly helps Clay, um, you know, certainly you know helps Livingston look better. But at the end of the day, it doesn't mean much because they won't be able to win against the elite teams without Steph Curry. Yeah, for sure, Steph Curry is a game changer especially at full strength, but even at 85-90%. He had a historic <laughs> season this year. Unanimous MVP, first time that's ever happened in history. 400 two threes, 50-40-90, so many other accolades. What of those was the most impressive to you? And also, you gave so much information already, and before you leave, can you give us a series prediction <laughs> for the rest? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Man, the, the the most interesting part of Steph's season. I mean, this one. I mean, this one's crazy because no one saw this one coming. I mean, I didn't see this one coming at all. Man, it was. I think the the craziest part of this Steph season was that the way that he can carry a team. The Warriors won sixty seven games last year, and Steph won MVP. But he didn't. He didn't carry a team the way that he did this season. I wasn't old enough to watch Michael Jordan, but I could. I watched. You know, Pete, Kobe, Shaq, uh, LeBron, or something like that i never thought that steph was at that level as much as you know warriors fans love to uh, love steph but he carried this team the way that those guys the way that he played offense just changed higher floor to the point that it just doesn't make sense like three to four guys are running at him in transition he would just open up four on two opportunities at you know at different points there was a, a, a east coast or southeast uh, series that they played uh, orlando miami where they went i think five or five and one or six and oh where they probably would have went three and three or two and four if it wasn't for steph just saying hey we're not going to lose this we're gonna win 73 games and he dropped like 40 you know across like four to five games it was one of those things where I didn't think that a guy who's you know barely taller than me, um, 6'2", 6'3", was able to carry an NBA franchise to 73 wins the way that he did carry this offense to this level and, and have them to the point where we're asking ourselves, is this the greatest team of all time? It just it just doesn't make like physical sense to the eyes, um, and, and that's probably the craziest part of the season. And so you know, and, and it makes us to the point where we see a little bit of vulnerability 
in Steph. We, we see that injury. We see an 0-1 deficit to the Thunder, and we automatically start questioning, like, hey, what's going on? You know, like, what's happening here? Um, because when you think about it from the flip side, what if the Spurs were down 0-1? Then you're kind of like, well, I mean, it's the Spurs, right? They're going to come back. They're going to be fine. They're going to win the next couple games. Um, but the, with the Warriors, you're like, all of a sudden, you're like, man, um, are they able to, you know, are they going to be able to do this? Things like that. It's just kind of shows you how great Steph Curry is that they've gotten him to this point. And people are just shocked when they're losing a game like that. Because to be honest with you, last night was a game that Steph Curry usually pulls out. And so that, that that's that's one of the most interesting subplots here moving forward, even though that season itself is this is the best that I've ever seen. And in regards to a, a series prediction, I think before the series I picked the Warriors in six because I was too scared to pick the Warriors in five. Um, it looks like that I was right, probably. Uh, but I, I think that they'll win game two. They'll, they'll go ahead and they'll, they'll win game three as well. And then I think they'll lose game four. Um, and then they'll win game five and six. And so I think that I think they do win it in six. And I think that they'll get away with going small um, for the next, you know, five games to get this to get this to the finals to play Cleveland, uh, which is going to be a lot more, a lot less suffocating on offense because that team doesn't really play a single lick of defense. <laughs> Andy, thanks again. We love having you on the show as always, and good luck to the Warriors. (laughs) Appreciate it, guys. Thank you.